to understand it. And let not one person walk out of here the same way. Holy Spirit, help us today. We'll give you all the glory for all the good that will come out of this service in Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. Amen. Amen. Just find someone today that's right next to you. Just love on them, compliment them. Uh, introduce yourself if you don't know them, and then you can be seated. Praise God. All right. We're continuing on our series called Face to Face. Last week we talked about facing love. If you were not here or you didn't get that information, I would encourage you to go back onto our, uh, download our Linked Up Church app if you haven't already downloaded it or go to version to pull up the notes, but also you can go to YouTube and all of our social media outlets to look at, to listen to, and to review uh, the message from last week. I strongly encourage you to do that because that is what lays the foundation for what we're going to continue to be talking about. Now, not only is it observed as being Relationship Month, but it's also observed as being uh, Black History Month. And there was one quote that came to mind while I was going over my message, and that's a quote that Dr. Martin Luther King shared years ago. He said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And he said, hatred cannot drive out hatred. Only love can do that. And that was the premise upon which he demonstrated and walked out the civil rights movement in a nonviolent way. So with that being said, let's turn with, uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, our foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we learned last week what love is. We learned how it's defined according to the word of God. How many of you know you cannot define love? Because it will be dependent upon how you're feeling at a particular time to a particular person in a particular season. Love is not ebbs and flows. Love is consistent, right? Right. Which is why we just got through singing. It goes on and on, right? It doesn't end. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read to you from the Passion Translation starting at verse 11. It says, when I was a child, this is Paul speaking, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now. But one day I will understand everything just as everything about me is understood. In other words, he's saying and acknowledging that God understands us fully. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us, right? He wired us. And so Paul is acknowledging that fact that just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet let's love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Now this book of this chapter or this letter to the church of Corinth was written by Paul. Now, for you theologians out there, Paul was coined as being the apostle of faith. He walked in faith. He walked by faith. He lived by faith. He preached by faith. That's who he was, and he was a great teacher and admonisher of the faith. But God uses him to write this book, this chapter, defining and explaining love. See, when you think about it, John was the apostle of love. He was so confident 
of God's love towards them that they couldn't even kill him. They tried boiling him. They tried hanging him. They tried scourging him and beating him. They couldn't kill him. Finally, they got fed up. They're like, nothing we can do to kill you. You keep coming back. <laughs> You're like the Energizer buddy. Just keep going on and on. So they ended up binding him, uh, 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 banishing him to the island of Patmos. Not only that, but because of his confidence in how much God loved him and his fearless things, ways about God, Jesus trusted him to take care of his mother. And so John was the one that was coined as being the apostle of love. So why would God use Paul, the apostle of faith, to talk about, explain, and do this expository on this subject called love? And when you think about it, you know, it's easy for us to default in our mastery. But it's very humble of us to have revelation from God and acknowledge that even in my mastery, I know what the true power, where the true power lies. So then when you think about it retrospectively, Paul would be the ideal person to say that there's faith, hope, and love. But above all of them, even above what I preach, faith, love is the most powerful. That's good. Not only that, but then when you think about this letter to the church of Corinth, the whole letter is comprised of him chastising them, rebuking them, correcting them, and then trying to give them some education because they wanted all the power gifts. They want to know, I want to walk in the power of God. I want to be the conduit of signs, wonders, and miracles. I want tones and interpretation. I want knowledge. I want wisdom. I want uh, healing. They wanted all the power gifts, right? They, want to know that I, they wanted people to know that we are the church <laughs> that walk in the full revelation of Jesus Christ, <laughs> the anointed one. Never mind our sins. Right. If anything, the church of Corinth was a great example of how you could still be sinful and carnally minded. And still operate. And still gifts. operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Because oftentimes God will use the most foolish of men to confound the wise. But besides that, while G Paul is explaining these power gifts, and he's talking about the power gifts, these signs, wonders, the miracles, and how they operate in the body, he inserts in the middle of the two, because 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that's what he's talking about. Pastor Gregory's going to teach it later on in the season. Then in the middle of it is this here thing called charity, love. What? What's that got to do with me being powerful and astute and learning about the things of God? <laughs> it's because he's saying it means nothing if the foundation of it isn't love. In fact, he's letting you know in that last scripture, that, that last verse I read in verse 13, that at the end of time, all that's going to pass away. It won't be necessary. But, we'll still, but what will still be very paramount is love. Love is the most powerful thing. Never mind knowledge, never mind ability, never mind status. Never mind account balances. Never mind all the stuff that you think you need to have in order to be successful. The only thing that matters is love. That's so good. And, and you said something about John, the Apostle John. You know, he actually called himself. He would announce himself as the Apostle whom God loves. So in John's mind, God loved him more than anyone else. Yep. But guess what? I came to tell you all today that I'm actually God's favorite son. And God doesn't love anyone more than he loves me. 
I think you, got it you wrong. don't feel that way about yourself, I can't no, help you I, with I'm that. his favorite. But, but, I'm but, his favorite. But if you don't know that God loves you and you are his favorite child, I don't know what to tell you today. But you really need to know that about yourself, that God, you are the apple of God's eye. And you should believe about yourself that if, if, if you were the only person on this earth, he would have still sent his son to die for you because he loves you that much. Why don't you just lift your hands and thank God for the yes. love of God today. Come on, say it by faith. Say, I am, I am. God's God. favorite child. Favorite child. He doesn't love anyone. He doesn't love anyone. More than me. More than me. One more time. Go ahead and thank God for that right now. You got to know that and understand that about yourself. There are four points of revelation or four aspects of revelation from that text that she just read that should tell us about ourselves, right? And so the first thing that comes to mind that Paul said from 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. And so children, if you think about the characteristics of children, children always want their way. They want what they want, and they want it right now, right? How many of you know that's an immature love, an undeveloped love? A lot of times, a child, when they're immature, they're very selfish and emotional. So when they don't get their way, they act out. How many of you know as adults, we can do the exact same thing? Right? We don't get our way, and we're getting ready to make sure everybody knows we didn't get our way, right? So, however, a person must mature in love in order to obtain God's best for themselves. This is not only necessary in responsibility to love or uh, loving others, but we first have to receive God's love for ourselves, then we have to love ourselves, and then we can give that love away to other people. Does that make sense to anyone in the room? A lot of times people are trying to fix their relationship. You cannot fix your relationship without first fixing your relationship with God. That's right. That's right. Your horizontal relationship is a reflection of your vertical relationship with God. So a lot of times our problems in our marriages is because of undeveloped love or immature love. Second thing, the aspect of what she ministered there in 1 Corinthians 13, we believe to some extent, right, that, 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 and know that God loves us. But as we mature in the revelation of God's love towards us, and as we in turn love more of God, we see God's image on us, which allows his Holy Spirit and character to grow with us, within us. So it's almost like every time we experience more of God's love, we get a greater revelation of that. And then what should naturally happen is the way that he has loved us, we learn how to love ourselves, right? And then what he's given to us that we give to ourselves we now should want to give that to other people. The third aspect is this is why we are commanded to love God with everything in us and to love our neighbors as ourselves. To love God is to love ourselves. Watch this. Maturity provokes to love others likewise. I mean, when I mature in my love, you're not getting ready to make me act like you. Well, that's good. That's good, babe. Right? Because that's my good. response is my responsibility. That's right. And it's an indication of my maturity, not yours. What you did is an indication of your maturity or immaturity. 
my response indicates. And so I can provoke something in you by just simply developing in my love. And the last aspect of that is we will all know perfectly how much God loves us once the fulfillment of time happens. Once Jesus returns and if we're alive, we're caught up in the air. If we're not, then we're, we're, all our ashes are going to come back together. We'll meet him in the air. But that's when we'll fully and come to the fulfillment and be perfectly known by God or know God the way he is. He already knows us the way that we are. But for now, because of the presence of sin, persecution, and affliction, our understanding of God's love towards us not only varies from person to person, but it also wavers within us from person to person. Right? And so depending on your background, your trauma, whatever it is that you've had to deal with over the course of your life, you can be challenged in just simple things, receiving love from someone else because maybe you didn't get a chance to know it uh, your entire life. And so just in simple things like someone complimenting you, you may receive that as something negative or they're trying to take something from you instead of give something to you. Just depends on your background. Uh, if somebody tries to be kind to you or nice to you and they're just trying to really be nice, doesn't mean anything more than that. That can be taken all out of context to mean something completely different than what the person's intent was. So much so that it can create a conflict and then the person can communicate to you what their intent was and you still won't believe that and take that somewhere that it was never intended to go. And so my point here is that if we don't grow up in our love, we can never be that all God desires us to be in our relationships. Amen. That's good. That's good, babe. You know, while he was speaking, I just didn't come to me till just now, so first service missed it. But um, oftentimes, Holy Spirit just downloaded just, just right now, and I, I, maybe this is just for you guys. All too often, we love people and others out of our void. Therefore, we get frustrated, upset, and have short-term relationships over and over again because we're looking for others to fulfill something that was only meant for God. That's so good. Excellent. So then we, we, we think we need a husband. We think we need a wife. We think we want kids. But the, and, and we're looking for that out of fulfillment of something for which God only and he alone has the key. Which is why all too often love can be defined as selfishness. Because it's about what you can bring to me versus what I'm willing and desirous to do for you. James chapter 2 verse 8. The Passion Translation. James chapter 2 verse 8. It says in the Passion Translation, Your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love as given to us in this scripture. You must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. He's saying, and I love the passion translation because he's just saying love and value. To love and value others as you love and value yourselves. You have to find yourselves valuable. You have to truly believe that you are God's favorite child. You have to be so convicted that you are the creme de la creme. Not to be messed over, played with, or toddled over because you are valuable. Somebody died for you. Now, we've defined what love is according to the word of God. The next question is, how do I love and how do I receive love? How do I love and how do I receive love? 
The law of love is that we can't know how to love ourselves until we respond to and receive God's love towards us. Then when we learn to love God, we learn to love ourselves because when you love love, love can't help but to love you back and your overflow causes you to love others. That's good. Because God is what? Love. Love, right? And then we learn to love God, and in loving God, we want to be like him. Yes. When we love, we want to please. When we love, we want to encourage. When we love, we want to represent. I love this man. I love him. And I'm just not wifey when I'm in his presence. You better not be. <laughs> in fact, the greatest compliment a man gave, and this man was handsome. You didn't need to add that piece. He was. <laughs> And the greatest compliment he gave me, now, I'm one of those people, I'm at the gym, I don't do makeup at the gym, I, my hair is up in a hat at the gym. And he came up to me and he said, you walk like you married. He said, you just act like you married. I said, that's the greatest compliment anyone has ever given me. Well, you better walk like you married. <laughs> I come up in that gym and set it off in there, you better... So now, turn with me to Psalms 139, stanza 14. I'm going to read out of the King James Version. I just want to take a moment to really build you up today. Because if you can't understand what I'm getting ready to minister to you, you are not ready for a relationship. Mm. Single people, understand what I'm getting ready to share with you. You got to get this before you try to get somebody else. You got to see yourself this way. Because I want to, even before I get to it, other people see you the way you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And other people treat you the way you treat yourself. So we need to stop saying what they did to me and start really understanding that's what I allowed them to do to me. In fact, not just for single people, even those of you who are currently married, you have to get this even within your marriage. Some time ago, we uh, ministered a message being single in your marriage, being single in your relationship. If you don't get this, then you need to pause because I, be I would dare to say that a large portion of your disagreements in your marriage is a result of you not knowing and understanding this. Now, Psalms 139, stanza 14. David said here, I will praise thee. Mm. And then he's getting ready to tell you why. See, you have a reason to praise God. All by yourself. All by yourself. You don't need a group. You don't need to be in church. Come on, you don't, you don't need music. You don't need a band. You don't need to call Bernard to personally come over your house and sing that song again. I'm talking about you have a reason to praise God. And David's getting ready to tell you what that is. He said, I praise you, God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully means with reverence. God was reverential when he was putting you together. He was thinking about every aspect of who you are and he was making you unlike anything else on the earth. So much so that after he made you, he just broke the mold and said, you know what? I can't get any better than that, so let me do another one. This word wonderfully here, I never looked it up in the Hebrew. It literally says to distinguish to put a difference, Unique. to show marvelous, to separate, and to set apart. Mm -hmm. 
If you don't understand that God has set you apart and distinguished you like nobody else on this earth, if you don't walk with your head up high and your shoulders back with an understanding that I am God made and it doesn't get much better than me, you are missing out on everything that, that, that God has to offer you. And that is a big reason why you need to praise God. And then he didn't stop there. He says here, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Then he says, marvelous are your works. That means David got up, looked in the mirror, saw himself, and he Woo. said, marvelous Woo. are your works, God. Woo. You need to learn how to get up every single day. Spend your time with God. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, my God, marvelous are your works, yes. God. When you made me, you did marvelous. And learn how to give yourself a hug, speak confidence to yourself, build yourself up. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, somebody. I, I was glad when they said. Go ahead. Go ahead, man. You didn't jump in my, my I know. You got go me. Ahead, go ahead. You just stoked right. me by. If you, if you don't learn how to do that, folks, you're sitting around waiting on somebody else to build you up. When if God can't build you up, you can't be built up. Come on, I'm preaching better than anybody saying amen. If you're going to beat yourself down and have low self-esteem and look down on yourself, why do you expect somebody else to see you any differently than you see yourself? David got a revelation that he was marvelous in God's eyes, and then it wasn't done there. Then he said, and that my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotion knows right well. The Hebrew there, David is saying, I am fully convinced of this. Now listen to me, folks. I'm telling you, I am the finest, sharpest, smartest, I'm the stand, I'm the smartest most prosperous, listen, wisest. I, let me finish my part. Elegant. I'm talking about me right now. I'm talking about you too, baby. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. you all that. L listen to me. You all now, this, now, if this upsets you, that's your problem. I'm not getting ready to let your problems be my problem. But, but listen to me. I am the standard for a 52-year-old male in the United States of America. It really doesn't get much better than Jolie Gregory. And I don't care if you see it that way or not. I see that it is that the way. way. I know I you do. It. I, I know you it, do. I see it. But that is the way I see myself. Listen to me. If you don't get that revelation about yourself, that you are all that to God and a bag of chips, you are missing out. Come on, let's practice right now. Put your hand over your heart and say, I will praise thee, God. I will praise thee, God. Go ahead, take a few seconds to do that. Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For Come on, you got something to praise God Thank about. Thank you for loving me. Come on, you got something to praise God about. Thank you, Father. Come on, you got something to praise God about. Hallelujah. Why are you all upset because they left? You got to learn how to let people go. Right? And you got to see that like that is their loss. That is not my loss. And sometimes rejection is God's protection. So that he can redirect your life in other areas where he has something much better for you. That's you right. And go ahead, babe. You go and ahead. it's not because... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying, you, when you pause, I'm jumping in. Go so ahead, babe. You got to keep ahead. on talking. 
And it's not because you're per, per, uh, perfect, right. you're just purchased. Come on. And man. when you have a real revelation that someone died for you and someone thought you were worthy, someone said you are marvelous, someone said you are beautiful, someone said you are smart, when you realize that he said that needs some saving, When you have a revelation that I'm not perfect, but I am purchased, and I am covered by the blood of Jesus. So if they want to leave out my life, they missed out on the opportunity of God's glory in their life. Now let's get back to our confession. Put your hand over your heart and say, Father God, Father God, I will praise you. I will praise you. For I am fearfully. For I am fearfully. And wonderfully. And wonderfully. Set apart. Set apart. Separate. Separate. Distinguished. Distinguished. I am made. I am made. Marvelous. Marvelous. According to your works. According to your works. Father God. Father God. I am fully convinced. I am fully convinced. That when you made me. When you made me. You broke the mold. You broke the mold. I am. I am. Marvelous. Marvelous. In your eyes. In your eyes. And mine. And mine. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Go ahead and celebrate God and yourself for a moment. Come on, celebrate God and yourself for a moment. Hallelujah. And mind you, there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. That's right. Not that you're too good, but he said you're good enough. Amen. Amen. So God, when he made each of us, he made each of us to want and desire a total package of what love is. That's right. But some of us, well, all of us have our own way of loving and receiving love. We have our own way of loving and receiving love. And I dare to say that 99% of you haven't sat down and introspectively examined, how do I love? How do I express love? And when you sit down and when you think about that, then you have to ask the other question, how do I receive love? That's good. How do I receive love? And then when you can understand that, now you could take a closer look at your relationships because each of us give and receive love differently. I want to encourage you to pick up a book. If you haven't already read it, many of you heard of it, but we're going to start talking about now educating you a little bit more because I believe God used this man to simplify love's story. His name is Dr. Gary Chapman, and he wrote the book, The Five Love Languages. He's written this book for romantic partners. He wrote this book for teenagers, parents. He wrote this book for children. He wrote this book for workplace people. He wrote this book for single people. He wrote a, there's an edition out there for uh, uh, blended families. There's an edition of the five love languages and how to convey them in every translation of relationships out there. So I encourage you to pick it up. You can go to thefivelovelanguages.com. And even on the website, there's an assessment that you can take to determine what your love language is. But all of us love all five of them. Right. But we all major in a major. We have a primary. Right. And so we're about to start talking about what those are and how we interface with those. Now, this man has had 30, over 30 years of practice, experimentation, assessment, thousands of counselees and cases 
knowledge whereby he's been able to collaborate and collect all this data to come up, I believe, a Holy Spirit-driven synopsis, uh, an expository of what love looks like and how we convey and receive this love. Now, these five love languages are not limited to romantic partners, to spouses, husbands and wives, fiancés, and stuff like that. But if we're, uh, if we're cognitive of what we're talking about, that agape, yo, that moral and social sense of what love is, and if we just start there, because that's the foundation, then we can learn how to apply that and understand that in other people. So we, we can apply that in not only our marriages, but at work, on our teams, in school, wherever there is an ongoing need for shared space, time, and cooperation. That's excellent. So there are five of them. We'll only cover two today, and then we'll pick up with the other three on next week, okay? Because we want to take our time and really model and, and share the information and then, and then demonstrate a little bit. So the first one we want to talk about today, number one, in the five love languages is acts of service. And let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. So this is the person who their love language is acts of service. So in other words, what I do for you, I'm demonstrating that I love you, right? And so if I pay the bills, I love you. Why do I need to say it if I'm paying the bills, right? That type of position, right? It's really acts of service. Galatians 5.13, but we're going to dig a little deeper into that. Acts 5.13, I want to read out of the... Galatians 5.13. Galatians, I'm sorry. Thank you, babe. Uh, 5.13, I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation although the King James Version may go up on the screen. It says, Beloved ones, God has not called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit, or God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, you have liberty to do whatever you want to do. Everybody clear with that? In the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. In God. In God, but he's going to tell you Amen. how to do that. He says, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. So, so in other words, I can choose to be selfish and not do what I know to do, right? Or I can use my freedom, and he's going to tell you what the highest goal in using your liberty is for. Let's read the rest of this verse. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another expressing love in all that we do. So in other words, the type of love that he's talking about here is that I'm free to act however I want to do, however I want to act in God. I can say no, but I want to use that freedom as an act of service, right? As I love him, I can use it as an act of service to someone else, even though I may not be getting back what I'm uh, looking to receive if that's my love language. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But to develop in this, I have to mature in this if I'm going to be who I am regardless of who you are. Yep. Does that make sense to people in here? So often we let other people define us instead of really figuring out who we are and being developed enough in our love walk to be that regardless of who you are. Now I can sow it as a seed and expect to receive a harvest back on that. Let's talk about really three areas, and I'm going to go through these quickly. When we talk about acts of service, right, in, a, in the context of a marriage or really any relationship, domestic support can be important. How many of y'all ladies in here, especially that are married, it's important that he helps you around the house? They say, woo! Not, not many. I thought it would have been way more than that, right? And, and, so, and so, praise God. And so in that context, right, your love language is acts of service. So that's important to you. So it blesses you 
when the other person actually helps domestically around the house. All right, let's keep going. Kind gestures of covering uh, a responsibility. Kind gestures of covering a responsibility. So believe it or not, acts of service is actually one of her top love languages, if not the top, but it's not mine. He don't see domestics. He, 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 don't, he don't. So so, I love him though. So, so think about it. If she's going to use a kind gesture of love, let's just say I left the clothes there on the floor. Right? It's obvious if I keep walking by them, it's not important to me at all to pick them up. Would you all agree with that statement? Right? But because it's important to her, she might ask me, could I pick those clothes up? Right? Depending on how mature or immature I am, I'm going to respond to that. I'm, it's not a might. I'm going to ask you. Right, right. So in my immaturity, I may just you be selfish, right? Use that as a moment to be selfish and not do what it, but if she's going to cover that because of her maturity and it's important to her, she'll pick it up anyway. Watch this now. And then over time, because God is so faithful, how many know God will visit my heart? and began to deal with me about how I'm treating his daughter. Right? And then as I mature in my love walk, I begin to make what's important to her important to me. But if she's developed, she can cover that until I get there. Is that making sense to anyone in the room? All right, last one here. The act of inconveniencing oneself for the sake of another. Right, depending on how mature or immature I am, love will require you to be inconvenienced. Yep. You will have to do things that are out of pocket, off schedule. Hello, somebody. Uh, uh, you didn't plan for, depending on how immature or mature in my acts of service will determine how I respond in that moment. Classic example, you know, you thought you were picking up the kids today. Right? Or you thought the other one was picking up the kids today. They called you at the last minute and said, can you get the kids? That could go a whole lot of ways. Now, I thought you were, I mean, we can go at it over something like that. And then we're at a Mexican standstill if I'm immature in that. If I'm developed in that and I've got a window, it's just as simple as, sure, baby, I can go over and get them today. Go ahead and finish what you need to take care of. See, the person, a person who is, lazy, complacent, passive, or not necessarily the person that's not in that love language. They can easily become highly irritated because we're hypersensitive in our love language, right? They could be hypersensitive and they could be very irritated by someone who's not, who's sitting still because they can't understand how you can sit still when things need to get done. You've been here all day and you telling me you didn't see? that these dishes needed to be washed and I ain't used nary a dish. You didn't see that? You don't see at work, you know, so that person in the workplace, let's use the workplace. If, that, if there's a person that's constantly, if you're the person that's covering for everybody else, that's your love language. That's per perhaps your act of service is your love language where you're like, okay, that didn't get done. Let me do this for them. Especially if they're your, your, they're your companion, your comrade at work, right? We tend to step into that service mode when we're demonstrating that we care for somebody or we care for the situation. And that's our demonstration. But we can also become very frustrated when other people aren't responding and we feel unappreciated or underappreciated. 
So I did all that for you, and you couldn't do it. And you couldn't do that for all. All you needed to do is just put your shoes back. So I, I went to work today. I did all of this. I did all of that. And, and I did all this for you, and you couldn't do the one little thing that I asked you to do. Because I forgot. And see, for a person that has that as their gift, they're getting ready to shut down on the other person. Because we tend to love and want to be loved out of our own love language. That's good. The next love language that we'll talk about is words of affirmation. Jeez. Words of affirmation. I need that in my life. You do. <laughs> On steroids. I need to know I'm the man. You the you, man, you get baby. It done. You, you get, get it done. done. Joel, There's Joel, nobody like he's you. He's our man. If he can't do it, no nobody. one can. Woo! I need that in my life. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 in the Passion. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. And listen, if you haven't made it to the Connect Groups on Wednesday, Kenyon and Takara are doing an excellent job. They were talking about us being safe, doing an excellent job, even on how this translates into the marriage. Yep, and I want to encourage all the men in here, single, and right, all the men. You're missing out on Wednesday nights. You're missing out, right? You don't know what you don't know. And it doesn't mean anything is wrong with you if you show up. We should all want to get better. And they're providing information that no matter what your walk of life is, will help you get better. That's right. So Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 in the Passion Translation, it says, Anxious fear brings depression, but a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to the heart. Anxious fear brings depression, but a life-giving word of encouragement can do wonders to restore joy to a heart. Proverbs 18.21, it says, we're all familiar with this one, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Ephesians chapter 4.29, I love this one in the Passion. Ephesians 4.29 in the Passion says, never let ugly or hateful words come out of your mouth, but instead... Let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. And there are people that need words of affirmation. They need to hear words of encouragement. Not that they won't receive correction, words of correction, but that needs to be buffered in words of affirmation. And you will get more productivity out of them when you find ways to frame your correction in words of positivity. Our children especially, our men and our boys especially. We're living in a society today where people, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter the color of your skin your ethnicity or your culture, just men, period. If you're masculine and have testosterone, you're just considered a threat. Trying to take someone, uh, some woman's femininity, and so therefore society is encouraging, encouraging men to embrace their feminine side. <laughs> and, and for some, they're, uh, they're emasculating men. I mean, my, my son... I taught him, we brought him up to open doors for young ladies. And when he was in the eighth grade, he came home, he was frustrated, he was mad. I said, what's wrong? And he said, I opened the door for this girl. She said, I don't need you to open the door, I can open the door for myself. And he said, I'm so confused. <laughs> Words of affirmation. 
Many need to hear the good about themselves, especially our men's and, and men and boys, as I said before. We create, be, we create when we speak. We are the image bearers of God. We create when we speak. Our words carry power. Oftentimes, it's not what we say, but how we say it. Oftentimes, it's not what we say, but how we say it. See, verbal abuse is especially hurtful to the person whose love language is words of affirmation. It's especially hurtful if their love language is words of affirmation. If I can interject right there, especially men. See, men, if all they ever hear is what they do wrong, what's wrong, what's and, bad? and what they didn't do, and all the communication is negative, they really can't hear anything else you're getting ready to say. Wah, 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 right? And so you got to learn how to frame that with first talking about what they do well which gives you an open door now to talk about what they need to improve on. But it should be communicated in a positive way that this is an opportunity for improvement, not you never do this. This is an opportunity, baby, for us to get better. So important, right? We don't want to hear, if I do anything right, at least celebrate that. If all I hear is what I do wrong and what I didn't do, I mean, I'm getting ready to shut down on you. In fact, I just ironically, I don't know if God, I don't know if God was saying something about us ladies. You know, we're help meets. That's what that's what the coin in the Bible of what women are. We are designed to identify where he's where the gap is with him and fill it, right? So I think intuitively we have a knack for identifying what's missing, what's wrong. We have a knack for problem solving and problem finding. I just think that women innately do that, right? And so when we want to harp on that as their deficiency, they're not safe in their mistakes. And so the Bible over and over, like three or four times, talks about it's better to dwell in the corner of a large house. On the rooftop. On the rooftop than it is to, be, to deal, dwell with a cantankerous and, and, and spiteful woman. He says it over and over again, and, and it's only addressed to the women. <laughs> But in those words of affirmation, I want to share an example just about my husband in our life. But he told me the stories many a times, and even my mother-in-law, who's going on to be with the Lord, she shared the story with me a few times. But when my husband was about 12 and 13 years old, you know, he was an inner-city boy, you know, caught up in gangs and everything else. And this one time he was caught, now, you know, he was probably doing it a while, but this time he was caught by the police stealing some Pepperidge Farms chocolate chip cookies. Y'all remember those bomber jackets back in the day? You punch the pockets out of them, stick it in there, and slide it around the back. So when they pat you down, nobody saw them. I haven't been saved all my life. Yeah. And so he gets caught stealing at the store. They call the police, and these two cops come in. They pick him up. They handcuff him and put him back in the back of the cruiser. And they take him home. They bring him to his mother's front door. She opens the door, and she, I remember her telling me, she said, everything in me wanted to fly off. Like, what have you done now? And she said she was having a whole dialogue in her head about what he did, but she just kept a straight face, and she let him in, and they brought him in, told him what happened. And at the end, now mind you, you got, your son is in handcuffs, police officers are to the left and to the right, and you as a mother looking at this, this youngest child of yours, and, and, and they're telling you about what happens, and her response is, well, he's going to be some type of leader one day. 
Because she told me that she looked at his face and he wouldn't, he, 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 she said she could tell that he was already hurting. He wasn't upset. She could tell that he was already like punishing himself. Not so much about what he did, more about she knew that he was hurt because he disappointed me yet again. And so it would not have been advantageous for her to go in on him to further put him down based off of what he's done because he knows that he was wrong. He knows that he's in trouble. He knows that he's disappointed me. And that, for her, for her was punishment enough. And so she, she had an understanding at this time, dealing with a young leader, that, oh, he's going to be a great leader one day. And from there, she took him, when the, she dismissed the police officer, she takes him in the back, gets the Bible. Not really a revelation of salvation or the things of God, but she knew enough that, God, I can't keep you, but God can I'm not with you all the time, but he is. So I want you to put your hand on this Bible and swear you won't steal again. And praise God, he hasn't. True Hallelujah. True story. I was 13 years old when that happened. I've never stolen anything again since I was 13 years old. Because but, she affirmed me. And then she said to me, right after the police left, I did that. She said, now go back outside and play. So she sent me right back out into the environment with the gangs to do what the police brought me home for again. But because she trusted me and she affirmed me, I never did it again. And we're going to close right here, babe. I just want to, it's 12, 18, so we're going to stop right here. I just want to show you all practically what this looks like because her love language is really acts of service. Uh, my love language is, is affirmation. Now watch this, positive words of affirmation. Now depending on how we're developed in this, this is what people do, right? She might take the position that if I don't do acts of service, she's not going to affirm me with her words. Right. I might take the position until you affirm me with your words, I'm not giving you any acts of service. So you got two immature people at a Mexican standstill who won't do nothing that the other one wants them to do until the other one does what they want them to do. If I'm developed, right, in that maturity, if I'm developed in my love walk, then what that will look like is that now I know. She's communicated to me. I understand her love language is acts of service. To her, the most sexiest romantic thing I can do is wash the dishes, <laughs> sweep the floor, take out the garbage. Hallelujah. Help mop. Take care of the kids. I'm not hearing no men in here say amen right now. To her. Hey, honey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, honey. Hey, honey. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll affirm him. Stay in the spirit. Stay in the spirit. <laughs> I'll affirm him because now I want to reciprocate my love towards him. And if I truly love him and I'm not stuck on loving me, then I will love him in the way in which he receives love. In fact, I'm interested in knowing that. Right? right? I'm interested in, in understanding that. And so I want to love him by way of loving him in the way in which he needs to be loved. In my mind, I think I figured out the love language of even the people, the team that we work with. You know, so I believe, like Diane, I believe Diane's love language is probably quality time. We'll talk more about it's that It's shopping. Later. That's her love language. <laughs> I love you. Whatever the case may be, it's not just, what my point is, it's not just indicative of your marriage 
but it's indicative of every relationship that you have, that you love yourself and you're confident in who you are, but you also understand and you're sensitive to the fact that not everybody loves like you do. And they don't receive love the way that you and do. And they don't receive it. So then the love in me and loving others is saying, how do you love and how do you receive love? And then I understand that, and now I want to reciprocate truly loving them according to their love language and not just mine. So if I'm going to be a blessing to her, I'm literally going to think about what can I do as an act of service to her. And believe it or not, most of the time it's not gifts. It doesn't have anything to do with that. What needs to be done around the house? And I'm loving her the way that she needs to be loved, right? If I choose to not give her that, and this is the last thing I want to say, are you all getting anything out of this today? Right? I want you to really hear this carefully now, okay? I want you to really hear. Depending on how developed your love walk is, I want you to hear this very carefully today. That can create something in a relationship where people stop loving each other because they won't invest the time to grow up. See, I can't make her grow up spiritually. I can't develop her love walk. She can't make me grow up spiritually or develop my love walk. But as we both develop and grow up spiritually and develop our love walk, then we end up, his needs, her needs, end up getting met throughout the course of this marriage. Because we're making what that other person needs a priority to us. Which means we have to stop and think about before I say something to them, I need to say it the way they receive information, not the way I receive information. If I'm going to be effective in my communication with that person. I can just say and have the attitude, this is the way I am. Deal with it. But how many know, boy, it's getting ready to be cold in that house. <laughs> or I can grow up and mature and develop and be what the other person needs me to be. I'm so glad you all came to church today. Come on, God is teaching us a love that can last forever. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to